Last week we looked at the first two elements of your shape. We said that God has shaped us all. Uh, and he's put us on this earth for a purpose. And we said that, that people's lives are like this suitcase. And this suitcase is empty. And we said that people who uh, this, this represents, these people cannot understand. They have no spiritual capacity to understand the things of God because God's spirit is not in them. So we said that every person on the planet is a creation of God, but not everybody is a child of God. You have to bow the knee. You have to ask God to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. And when you do, this cross represents his Holy Spirit. So when you ask God to forgive you and to lead you, then his, his Holy Spirit is placed inside of you. But the, but the Holy Spirit never comes without housewarming gifts. So when he comes into your life, he gives you at least one spiritual gift. And it is your job to discover that gift and figure out the best way to use that gift in serving. So that was the first thing we talked about, spiritual gifts. But we said that you also have a passion. There's certain things, just certain things in your life that, that kind of make your, your heart race a little faster. There's other things you couldn't care less about. And so we represent that by the heart. We said that you are passionate about certain things. And I wrote on this heart things that I'm passionate about. I put my family, I put God, I put New Life Community Church, I put my motorcycle because I got a new one. And uh, Texas Rangers, when they're winning. Um, you notice that the Cowboys aren't on here. Because I can't remember the last time the Cowboys won. So I'm not passionate about the Cowboys. And you can call me a Fairweather fan. That's all right. I don't give a rip. I don't like watching poor football. But anyway. Um, so... I'm passionate about that. So we said there's some things that you're passionate about, and that's what we have to discover is those things that you are passionate about. And um, God never wastes anything. If he gives you passions, if he gives you talents and abilities and personality and experiences, God wants you to use those things to further his kingdom, to bring him glory. And so um, if you don't understand this, some of you, I know I know, Joe was telling me about in your, his small group, and some people are going, enough of the background already. Just get to the spiritual gifts. I want to know what my gifts are. I don't know what my gifts are. Nobody's ever taught me. Get to it. Here's the problem. If you don't understand how God shaped you and formed you, you are not going to understand how best to use that gift in the kingdom. And so God has all of these things, spiritual gift, heart, ability, personality, experiences, all of these things. He's molding you. He's shaping you. We said that you are a masterpiece and he's not done with you yet. And so you have to understand all of that before we get to the spiritual gifts, because if you don't, you will misuse your spiritual gift. So it's kind of like this tool. Anybody know what this tool is? If I turn it around, somebody actually got it right. Who said that? Okay, so it's a break a window, but this is a multi-tool. So it's not just to break a window. So I'm not just going to go back there and break that window. Specifically, what window is it for? Car window. So there's a little razor blade in here that you can cut off. I'm sure you're going to think of this. If you drive off into the lake sometime, you're going to think tool, you know, break the window, slices, you know. Anyway, so there's a, there's a light, and, and, you know, that'll get your attention. I hope it's not a laser light, and I'll just put somebody's lights, uh, eyes out. But anyway, so if you don't know the purpose of this tool, you could use it for a lot of stuff. You got a loose screw out there on the motorcycle. You could try to use this. Wouldn't work very well, would it? Pretty funny. I have tried to do stuff. When you don't have a tool, you got to use whatever you can, you know. So if you understand what the tool is for, you can use it better, right? That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. If you understand how God has shaped you, you will better understand your purpose in this world. Because the, the number one question I get after, if there's a good God, why does he allow suffering is, why am I here? What is my purpose in life? And that's what we're trying to help you discover. So if you'll look at Job chapter 10, verse 8, 
We're going to see that God shaped you. Job is talking to God and he says, your hand shaped me and made me. And then in Isaiah 43, 21, God is speaking through Isaiah and he says this, the people I have shaped for myself will broadcast my praises. That means when God made you, he did not mess up. He didn't make a mistake. He didn't drop you on your head spiritually so that you became jacked up, right? God has a purpose, even in all of those painful experiences that you've gone through. So I want you to look at somebody next to you, and I want you to say, God did not mess up when he made me. Now, I want you to look at somebody else, and I want you to say it with conviction. God did not mess up when he made me. All right, so I want you to understand God didn't mess up. You don't have your hair color by accident, your eye color by accident. You are planned by God. And, uh, and we're going to talk more about that in just a minute. So what we're going to look at first is abilities. We're going to look at some abilities that, that you have. Now, there's an old fable that tells a story about some animals that started a school. They had classes in swimming, flying, and running. The duck was a good swimmer, but had to drop swimming in order to practice running, at which he was not very good. Soon he became just an average swimmer. The rabbit was the best runner, but broke his leg when he was trying to fly. The eagle was tops in the flying class, but became waterlogged when he tried to swim. By the end of the school term, none of the animals were very good at any of their subjects. They had tried to do everything instead of focusing on the reason God had created them. So you were put on this earth for a reason. God made some animals to jump, to run, to, to fly, to dig. And God made you special for a purpose that he wants you to understand. Not only does God love you, God loves to use you to transform other people's lives so that he gets the glory throughout all eternity forever and ever. Amen. You can do an amen there if you want to. That would work. So the key is to find your purpose, and, and we're going to spend some time looking at that. This is so important because no one else can be you. That means if you don't figure out your purpose and serve your purpose that God created you for, no one else is going to do it. When you use your purpose, when you, um, when you do the things at New Life Community Church that God planned for you to do, the church gets stronger. When you don't use your gift, the church gets weaker and the church suffers. And so we're going to look at these ability statements and hopefully you'll figure some of this out. Ability statement number one, all abilities come from God. Your abilities are the natural talents that you got at birth. But I want you to hear this. Since all, since your natural abilities also come from God, they are just as important and just as spiritual as your spiritual gifts. Because after all, where did your abilities come from? God. The only difference is you got your natural abilities at birth. Some people have a natural ability with words. They came out of the womb talking. My Hannah can talk, 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 talk. And, but we love that. We love that about her. We say when she, we went and picked her up at uh, Pine Cove this past, and we said, man, she's going to talk nonstop for like 10 days. She didn't quit. I'm not even sure she quit when she went to sleep at night. She was telling us everything because she was so excited that she is a talker, and that's the way God created her. Some people are thinkers. Some people are feelers. And um, others have natural abilities in math. Anyone in here good at math? Just let me see. All right, all right. We won't make fun of you. Actually, I, I was good at math. Music, building things. All of these talents come from God. How do I know? Because the Bible tells me. And, and I didn't even put this on here. This hit me this morning. Psalm 139, David was talking to God and he says, I am wonderfully complex. And then he said these words, you knit me together in my mother's womb. 
So 49 years ago, God created me for a purpose. However long you've been on this earth, when you were in your mother's womb, God knew you, God loved you, and he was knitting you together. He did not mess up when he made you. And so um, God has all of these things that he wants you to do, and there's other examples in the Bible. For example, one time God wanted um, the, the Israelites to build a tabernacle. Now, in the Old Testament, a tabernacle was, was the, the uh, mobile temple. Uh, the temple in the New Testament, actually later in the, in the Old Testament, the temple is the permanent building where people came to worship. But because the Israelites were wandering in, in the wilderness, they needed a portable worship center. And so they called it the tabernacle. And God wanted them to build this thing. And so God gifted someone just for that purpose. Look at Exodus 31, 3 through 5. He says, I have filled him with the spirit of God, giving him great wisdom. God's talking to Moses and and he's telling Moses, I don't want you to do this. There's somebody else that's going to do this job. Giving him great wisdom, intelligence and skill in all kinds of crafts. He is able to create beautiful objects from gold, silver, bronze. He is skilled in cutting and setting gemstones and in carving wood. Yes, he is a master at every craft. Where did this man's abilities come from? Moses gift was leadership. So what do you think God wanted him to do? Carve stones. Because if you read about the the tabernacle, it was unbelievably elaborate. It was ornate. And this guy, not only this one guy, there were others that God gifted. And God told Moses, not only this guy, go get this one, this one, this one. And they will do all of the decorations in the tabernacle. Unbelievable. God didn't want Moses to do it. Moses was supposed to lead. And so God has made other people to fulfill the tasks of ministry in the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 6 says this. There are different... Uh, abilities to perform service, but the same God gives ability to all for their particular service. So what this means is everything comes from God. And when I use it correctly, everything points back to God and gives him glory and honor. Now we do a class called 101. If you want to join our church and everybody who's ever joined our church has gone through class 101. And uh, even my family, I remember doing the very first one. Um, it used to be like a four hour class. We've shortened it to a one hour class and everybody's grateful for that. Um, but there's always something we've done every class we've done over the 11 years we've been a church at the end you fill out this little getting to know you information sheet and so it's your name and it's where you work and it's it's your birth date and things like that if you're married if your spouse attends the name of your children all that stuff but there's one question that says my area of expertise is and and it has a blank And most of the time people will fill that out and they'll say well i'm good at this or i'm good at this but there are a lot of people who will leave it blank. And then when I ask them, how come you didn't fill anything out? They'll say, I'm not good at anything. I I really don't have much to contribute. And I want you to know that directly contradicts the word of God. God made you. He didn't mess up. And and specifically, look at Romans 12, 6. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. Okay, let's say, just, just for argument's sake, let's say that you were born and you have no natural abilities. None whatsoever. No contributions to society at all. When you become a Christ follower, he changes that. Even if you had no talents or abilities, God gives you something that you can do that will bring him honor and glory. But let me tell you, you have some abilities because there have been studies that have been done that says every individual has at least 500 to 700 natural talents and abilities. Most of them they aren't even aware of because they've never experimented with their talents and abilities. They don't know what they're good at. So you are good at something. God designed you good at something. Your abilities, all of them come from God. Number two, second statement. Every ability can be used for God's glory. 
Now, this is a big deal. First Corinthians 10, 31. Most of you've heard this verse over and over. It says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Let me just give you a list of some of the abilities that are mentioned in the scripture. Artistic ability, architectural ability, administering, baking, boat making, debating, designing, embalming, embroidering, engraving, farming, fishing, gardening, leading, managing, masonry, making music, making weapons, needlework, painting, planting, inventing, carpentry, sailing, being a soldier, teaching and writing. That's just some of them mentioned. God has designed us with all of these abilities. They all come from God and God places you in a church where you can do the most good. But here's the caution. Abilities without God are just talents. There's a lot of talented people in the world who don't know God and aren't following God. Abilities with God are opportunities for ministry. Let me tell you kind of how some things are fleshing out here at New Life. I mentioned to you several weeks ago that there's a single mom's ministry. And if you, if you get in here early, you see it on the, uh, the announcement loop, as it's video loop as it's going through each week. Uh, we just started talking months ago in a men's meeting. We just started talking about God, you know, wanting us to be a place that we met needs. And we said, we have a lot of single moms. And so we kind of started dreaming about this idea of having a single mom's ministry. Well, got to talking to different guys and guys are excited about that. Well, I'm, I'm not even really involved in it. I just hear the updates. Here's the latest update is somebody has donated a vehicle. That vehicle is being repaired. It is going to be given to someone in the future. Um, there are other guys who want to do repairs on cars. There's other guys that want to do repairs on houses. Had one um, young man come up and say he's an air conditioning guy. And he said, man, I'll donate my time. If, if you have some single moms that need some air conditioning work, he went and talked to his boss. His boss said, I'll give them the, the parts at cost. We'll figure out a way to pay for that. John told me that he would do physical therapy type things. And then when I told you about our, uh, that we're, we're looking to either buy a building or expand out here in the front of our building, uh, someone came up last week and said, I'm a welder and I'll donate my time. And people are saying, I'll do this. I talked to a floor guy. He said, well, I'll do this. And, and everybody's saying, I will give my talents to God. That's what God intended. The key is we got to find out what you are good at. And that leads me to the next point. What I'm able to do, God wants me to do. You're the only person on earth who can use your abilities. No one else can play your role because no one else has your unique shape. And, and I was talking to my small group about this. Even if somebody had the same spiritual gift, the same passion, the same abilities, and the same personality, which is highly unlikely, by the way, even if all that was true, none of us have exactly the same experiences. So you might have everything that I have, except we have different experiences. And that is so that God can use you to reach somebody that I couldn't reach. Because there's nothing more powerful than when you go through something very difficult and you realize that God brought you through that so that you could turn around to somebody behind you and say, I know how you feel. Because isn't it frustrating to talk to people who don't know how you feel? But when someone says, I relate, somehow your hearts connect. God wants to heal you. This is scriptural. God wants to heal you so that you can help heal someone else going through the same thing that you have gone through. And that's why he uses all of us and not just pastors, not just staff members. Because there are, there are millions of people in this world who, don't, who do not know Jesus, who are bound for a Christless eternity unless you do what God designed you to do. And even if, even if you just influence one per person's life for the cause of Christ, what, what if that's the next... Billy Graham. You don't know the ripple effect of you using your abilities for the kingdom of God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 13, 
21, that God will equip you with all you need for doing his will. So we need to spend some time figuring out what we're good at doing and what we're lousy at doing. The lousy things, just leave those alone. God didn't intend for you to do those. If he's not giving you musical ability, he's not going to expect you to lead worship. God will not ask you to do something that you have no talent or gifting for. So your abilities were not given to you to make a living. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with making a living. Your abilities are given to you to make a life and to impact the kingdom of God. So, yes, you make a living, you contribute to the kingdom, but you also use your talents and your abilities in the kingdom to make a difference. So there's three statements, three action steps you can take for abilities. Number one, let God know that you're ready and willing to do his will. Second, be prepared for opposition from Satan. See, let me, let me just stop here. Two things. One is a lot of people say, I'm willing to do God's will as long as it's what I want to do. God, I'll do your will as long as your will aligns with my will. And, and God is, there's one thing in, this, in all of Scripture, there's one thing God will not share with you. He will not share his glory. Moses didn't get to go into the promised land because he dishonored God. And so you can't say to God, God, I'm ready and willing to do whatever it is as long as it's this. That's not the way it works. This has to do with obedience. The last thing is believe God will use your ability. He's promised to use your life, but most of us are not even getting off of the sidelines. Most of us think this is church. This isn't church. This is the gathering of the church to worship God. All of the service begins when we say amen, we dismiss. All of what should be about the kingdom of God that's happening happens outside these walls, outside of 11 to 12 o'clock on Sunday morning. And it has to do with you obeying and paying attention. Because I'm telling you, hurting people are everywhere. They're coming across your path. And you're not seeing it because our eyes are blind. And because our hearts are numb. Actually, our hearts are hard. Because we're focused on ourselves. So this all has to do with obedience. If you want to be used by God, you have to be willing to obey. Watch this video about someone struggling with obedience. Jesus, I have decided to give you this. Really? Yeah. You know whoever sits here makes all the decisions, right? I know, and I'm always making decisions. But you make the perfect decisions, so you just sit right down and start making them. Wow, I'm honored. I mean... This feels great. Kathleen, guess what? I just got my new credit card. It's time to go shopping. Oh, really? I thought your husband and you were going to pay off debt. Oh, yeah. I mean, money's kind of tight, but I figured he doesn't have to know about it. So do you want to oh. go with me? No. <laughs> no? Why? Uh, what I mean is, uh, I don't know. Um, so let me check my schedule, and then I'll get back to you. Okay, yeah, give me a call. Okay. Kat, what's going on? What do you mean? Well, I'm kind of one cheek in it here. Look, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. You wanted me to sit here, right? Well, of course. And whoever sits here makes all the decisions? Right. So what's the problem? Uh, there's not a problem. I just... I don't know what I was thinking. Really, please, here, sit down. As long as you're sure. I'm sure. Okay. okay. So let's start over. Okay. All right. Cat. I noticed that you've been losing your temper a lot lately. Right. So, okay, Jesus, you know what? I know what you're going to say, but um, see, you, do? you don't know the whole situation, you know? Oh, well, all I'm saying is that your attitude is a decision. Yes, of course, but I have a lot going on right now. Well, I know you're under a lot of pressure. Pressure? Jesus, you don't understand pressure, okay? This I isn't just... working, Kat. What? We can't both sit on the seat. 
It's either me or it's you. Okay, I know. You know, I just, I didn't think it was going to be this hard. But here, just take it. No, I'm not going to take it. You have to give it to me. Okay, here. Kathleen, make a choice. I can't. You just did. Some of y'all having trouble imagining Jesus saying, "I'm one cheek in it," aren't you? Um, but the point is, is, is a good one, right? When you say I can't do something, you've just, you've just told God, I won't, I won't even try because I can't. And God's saying, I have given you everything you need to succeed in life, but you're not trusting, you're not obeying. So, all right, we're going to move on to the next thing. First, the first one we looked at there was abilities. Next thing is personality. Now, on your listening guides, somewhere, there's some space. I want you to, at what, the first free space you see, I want you to write your Cursive, if you know cursive, if you don't, just whatever. So write your name in your dominant hand. Ready? Everybody go. If you don't do it, you're going to miss a blessing of God. (laughs) All right? Now somewhere else in a blank piece on there, write with your not dominant hand. Exactly. Which one was better? If you can't tell, then you got issues anyway, so we don't care. Um, But here's the thing. When you are using the hand that's not your dominant hand, it was more difficult, right? It took longer. It probably doesn't look as good, right? Well, that's the idea of of figuring out your personality, because God designed your personality. And um, the way... The way uh, God wired you will affect how you use your spiritual gift in ministry. Some of you are still laughing about that. It's not that funny. It, it was good, but we're done. Let's move on. Um, my brother, I love my brother, but and in a minute you'll understand his personality better. But my brother, uh, not the oldest one, the next one, his name's Terry. Um, I lived just a, a mile from him when I, right after I graduated from college, and Terry was a pastor and I was a member of his church. And um, he asked me to help coach his son in baseball. And so uh, Aaron was six years old, and, and Aaron was this really good little athlete. He's, he's good, and it, this was all coach pitch back then. And so um, I was the pitcher, and, and uh, my brother would go out, and he would practice with my, my nephew in the backyard, and he's just ripping the ball. I mean, knocking holes in the fence. You know, he's having to be careful where he's hitting it, all that stuff. We come out to a game, and, um, and Aaron's not hitting anything. And, and uh, I stood there for a minute, and I said, Terry, Aaron's a lefty. He sent him up there to bat right-handed. All the other kids on the team bat right-handed, so Aaron thought he should bat right-handed. He was striking out, you know, and Terry couldn't handle it. And I'm like, dipstick, get your son batting from the correct side of the plate. Then he's ripping the ball. And he goes, how did I miss that? And I said, because you're stupid. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I just said you were, you weren't, he wasn't even thinking. But see, that's my brother's personality. He doesn't notice little things like that. He, he is a life of the party. He's telling stories and all that. But he never noticed his own son was going up batting right-handed. And it messed him up. Woodworkers know that if you work with the wood grain, it goes much more smoothly than if you work against the grain, right? Well, in the same way, when you're forced to minister in a way that God did not design you, did not wire you up, it's going to be very uncomfortable, and you're probably not going to be very successful at it. That's why you can't imitate someone else's ministry. Only you can do your ministry. You can learn things from someone else, but you have to filter it through your shape to understand how you are supposed to minister. It's kind of like uh, I tell couples all the time, 
um, in counseling that, that if you put a boat on automatic pilot and you put it on north, where's that boat going to go? You, you fire up the engine, you put it on north, where's it going to head? North. Now, in most cases, automatic pilot, you can override the automatic pilot and you could, you could turn to the left, you could head west. You could even turn all the way back around 180 degrees and, and go south. But what, what, is, what is going on with your, with your arms? There's going to be tension because as soon as you let go of that steering wheel, where is the boat going to go? Back to north. That's the idea of personality. God wired us, and if you try to change someone's personality, you're going to be incredibly frustrated in your life. Now, there is a difference, and this is on your listening guide. There's a difference between attitude and personality. Attitudes can change. There's a difference between um, habits and personality. Habits can change. Personality can't. So I want you to look at the life of Paul and let's see what God did with his personality. Galatians 1, 13 and 14. You've been told how I used to live when I was devoted to the Jewish religion, how I persecuted without mercy the church of God, did my best to destroy it. It was ahead of, I was ahead of most other Jews of my age in my practice of the Jewish religion and was much more devoted to the traditions of our ancestors. Now, if you study the life of Paul, he was the best of the best Jewish students. He studied under the best. He actually um, exceeded his, his teacher and became the best Jew around. He said, I was unbelievable, and he was fanatic in trying to stomp out Christianity before it got started. He would get letters uh, from the high priest, and he would go and he would arrest people. And Paul was even the one, if you've, if you've done any studying in the book of Acts, Paul was the one in Acts chapter 7 when Stephen, one of the first um, deacons who was filled with God's Spirit. This is awesome. I was reading back through that just this morning, skimming through it. Stephen stands up and, and gives these religious leaders this incredible lesson, this history lesson about Israel. And he said, then you rejected God and God has made him Christ, you know, all this stuff. And so they stoned Stephen because he told them the truth. They drag him out, they, they throw rocks at him, beat him up until he falls over dead. The last thing he says is, is, Father, forgive them because they don't even know what they're doing. He falls over dead. And then the verse says, those who stoned Stephen were laying their coats at the feet of Saul. Now, later we know him as Paul. He gets his name changed because he's going to be the one that goes and takes the message to the Greeks. He was a fanatic to stomp out Christianity. Look what happens next in uh, verse 15. But God in his grace chose me even before I was born and called me to serve him. And when he decided to reveal his son to me so that I might preach the good news about him. And it goes on to say to the Gentiles. Verse 21. Afterward, I went to places in Syria and Cilicia. At that time, the members of the churches in Judea did not know me personally, but they knew my reputation. They knew only what others were saying. The man who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith that he once tried to destroy. And look at the next verse. This dude had such a radical change from I'll kill you if you call out the name of Jesus to I will die for the name of Jesus. And it says everyone heard about him and praised God because only God can make that type of change. Once God got control of Paul's life, he changed his attitude. He changed his outlook. He changed some of his, uh, his changed his purpose, but his personality did not change. He preached Christ with the same fanatical zeal that he denied Christ before. God wanted a lion to boldly go where no one had ever proclaimed Christ. And so he called on Paul and, and he used Paul's personality. He rechanneled his personality to bring about the things of God. 
And it doesn't matter what personality God has given you. What matters is how you use your personality. Now, if you go to small group tonight, you're actually going to take a little short little personality profile. It's a lion, otter, beaver, retriever. Um, we're going to discuss these. It's going to be a lot of fun to figure out each other's uh, personalities tonight. And then uh, I'll have some more copies next week. If you're not in small group, you can get a copy of that next week. But let me just give you a quick run through. Lions are problem solvers. They're the leaders. They're the big picture type folks. They like to attack problems. They like to solve problems. And sometimes they get so confused about solving and attacking problems that they hurt people's feelings because they're not worried about feelings. They're worried about getting the job done. Right? Anybody, anybody a lion? Paul was a lion and God used him to change the course of history. Other than Jesus Christ, I, I would argue there's no one more effective in the New Testament than the Apostle Paul. So he took Christianity where no one else would go. Otters. Otters love people. They love to be around people. If you want to punish an otter, make him spend some time, him or her spend some time alone. They're great greeters. They're fun to be around. They're the life of the party. You want, you want otters to host the party, but you do not want otters to plan the party because they don't have a clue. In fact, if they start planning the party, they'll go, this isn't much fun. Let's have fun. You know, that's what otters want to do. So you want otters host. You don't want them to plan. The people you want to plan are the beavers. And now just think about these animals in their natural habitat, or if you've seen them in a zoo or whatever, just think about their characteristics. It helps you understand the personality. The beavers, the beavers count everything. They find every penny in the checking account. They will plan to the last detail, the food, the drinks, the napkins, the plates, the cups, and the number of ice cubes it will take the last party four hours. They'll give you lists and lists of things that you need to do and go to the various stores. Is there somebody back there? Who's a beaver? Jeff is a beaver. In fact, a couple of weeks ago when I walked out in the audience and, and I was talking, it wasn't on my transcript. When, you know, I changed my transcript from the time I make that copy until, you know, I come up here. And Jeff is going, where is he? And I see him back there. I mean, eyes are big and he's all messed up and he's thinking, when's the next slide? And, and I'm like, dude, I'll always come back. That's the otter in me that just kind of goes off and starts running around, you know. But, but I always say the next verse is or the next slide is. And so he, Jeff has a lot of, of beaver in it. But that's good. You need beavers to help the otters and the lions. And then there's golden retrievers. And I'm just going to tell you, the golden retrievers make the world a better place. Because you think about a golden retriever's number one attribute. They're loyal. They can take a lot of crap in a relationship because they love you. They are lifelong friends. They are the best listeners on the planet because God designed them to handle a lot of emotional turmoil that the lions, otters, and the beavers give them. Right? And uh, Janie is a golden retriever. First time we ever took this, it's funny because we've been married 22 years now. And the first time we took this, you know, I had lion uh, otter was my second, and then there was some beaver, and then like zero on the uh, golden retriever. Janie took the test, and she's off the chart golden retriever, and she's not much on the others. And so it's funny how we have balanced each other out, because there's some times you don't want to cross this little golden retriever, I'm going to tell you. Because, you know, she'll, she'll snap her fingers, and, and it's funny. Blue-eyed people, I'm sorry, blue-eyed people, y'all just can't be that mad. I mean, you can look mad, but brown-eyed people, we, we, got, we got the pit of hell burning in our stomachs when we're mad. But, but blue-eyed people, I'm sorry, it's cute to me when she's mad. Um, but anyway, uh, there are times, and there's been a couple of times in our marriage where she's done this, and, and besides being sexy, because it was really sexy, um, she, was, she was right, Okay? 
And, and so even though I'm a lion and you come at me like this or like this, you know, I, I will stand up. But the times that she's come at me, she has been dead right. And I've, and I've said, you're right, and, and I'm a punk. Yes, you are. <laughs> and, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, golden retrievers, they can forgive a lot faster than the rest of us. Beavers, dude, they'll remember till Jesus comes. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I know. <laughs> well, God loves variety. That's the whole idea. And there's no right or wrong personality. And you're not going to be off the chart necessarily any one of these. You're probably going to be a combination of these. But here's the thing. When you understand your personality, it makes it very much easier to understand how others misunderstand your personality. Does that make sense? When you know I'm strong in this area, I'm weak in this area, then you can see, like, like you know, I can be a task master. And I don't mean to be because getting the job done means a lot to me. And, and so I'm frustrated when people don't want to get the job done. And, and I roar. And that's not of God. Because if you think about Jesus, Jesus was a perfect balance of all of the personalities in any given situation. When he stood up to the Pharisees, he was lying. He said, you, you snakes, you vipers, you hypocrite, you, you tombs full of dead men's bones. But when the woman caught in adultery came to him, he was all golden retriever. And he said, where are your, where are your accusers? And she said, I don't know, Lord. He said, neither am I going to accuse you. But then he said, go and sin no more. He still called sin, sin. So golden retrievers can reach people that, you see how God does this? Um, God loves variety. Some of us are introverts, some are extroverts, some are routine, some like routine, some like variety. Some people are thinkers, some are feelers. Some, some when they go swimming, they're plungers. They just jump in. Who are the plungers? I'm a plunger. Some people, they like to dip their finger, their toe, and it takes them eight years to get in the swimming pool, right? How many, how many dippers are there? You want to know what kind of uh, sense of humor God has? Plungers tend to marry dippers. I mean, you, you understand what happens? We're attracted to people who are strong in areas that we're weak. And, and what attracts us, then we turn around, you know, opposites attract. And then they attack because we don't understand everything. So we've got to figure out our personalities. When we do, we see how God blends us together. One of my favorite things of premarital counseling is seeing how God blends two lives together. And I usually talk about that in the, in the wedding ceremony, how I see this and you and this and you and how God has just put you together. And if you'll remember that, you'll value one another much more. Now, it's like this. Um, years ago, a friend of mine, Jane Brumley, um, her husband runs Joel's Decorating Center. They're real good friends of ours. And I've done a couple of funerals and their, their uh, family, just devastating things that have happened. Well, w- they, she gets on to me. Because we don't go out there enough. My friend, uh, Chris Irvin, he's a pastor in Heiko, and he used to come down for study retreats. And he he would study like four or five hours and get crazy, you know, like you do when you study too much. And we'd go fishing for a couple hours, he'd come back. We went out to Jane's one time, and uh, she makes these. And um, she... She's such a, a neat lady that we were just talking and, and, you know, talking about ministry and all that stuff. She said, I want you to go in there and pick whichever one you want. It's yours free. Give it to your wife. And so, you know, I was looking through and, and I picked it. And I hate doing stuff like that because I never know if she's going to like it or not. And so I'm looking, looking. I finally come home and I'm going. And she loved it. And it's up above her little desk at home. Well, here's, here's what the deal is. She takes broken glass and she forms it into something that's beautiful, Right. 
That's what your heavenly father does. Takes a bunch of broken, jacked up people. And he puts us together in a way called the church. That when the local church is working right. It's the hope of the world. When the local church is working wrong. People go to hell. Because we become a stumbling block. So you got to understand how God has put you in this church on purpose for a reason. If you don't have a church home, then, then maybe you need to, to, to come. And if you're a first-time guest, we, we never pressure anybody. Um, but, but you need to be plugged in somewhere. Because if you're not a member of a local church, you can't obey over 50 commands in the New Testament. You need to be attached to a body because 90% of the time in the New Testament, when it talks about a church, it's talking about a local body of believers. God put you here for a reason, and he wants you to figure out what that is. And the needs in this church, they're just just—they're greater than, than the people we have serving. And a lot of the things that we need you to do, they don't require any gift. It requires people just to get up off their rears and serve. It's not that hard. Many things... Don't require a special ability from God, just it requires you to do something. And, and so God has blessed the family, the church, and there's variety, and there's all kinds of stuff. And, and here's the thing. Our mantra is apply your heart and your hands to the place of greatest demand. Because we have some, some places, you know, it, it, I heard this said years ago that, that if, there's a, if there's a big water dam and there's a leak in the water dam, we don't need you to start building a new water dam. If you're walking by, you see the leak and it's a finger size leak, stick your finger in it, right? So there's some things right now that we need people to just serve. And while you're serving, you get to pray that God will show you another ministry that better fits your spiritual gift and your passion. And if there's not one, guess what? You get to start it. I mean, the guys that are coming up to me saying, hey, I want to do this in the single moms ministry. I want to do this. It's just the natural abilities that God has given them. They say, I want to use them in the kingdom. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to make a massive difference to those single moms. And you never know when it's going to make a massive difference to the children of those single moms. And you never know what's going to happen to those children when they grow up. Maybe, maybe because some men and some church people love them and encourage them, maybe their lives turn out completely differently than what Satan has in mind. So we've got to figure this stuff out. Willing people. All right. Three action steps for your personality. Realize that your personality will be a benefit to your ministry. <laughs> so, you know, you, a lot of people are saying, I'm just messed up and I'm weird. Okay, well, there's a ministry for weird, messed up people, all right? There, it's called New Life Community Church. Um, so there's a place for you. Second, thank God that your personality is the right one for you. Don't be looking around comparing yourself to someone else. God made you like you for a reason. Number three, use your personality as a complement to the body of Christ. There is some place you can serve. If, you, if you're a wallflower, you probably don't need to be a greeter. Right? So we just need to figure out where you've got to be. And, and there, all of the ministries, like I said, October 20th, we'll have all kinds of stuff back there for you, um, information and, and where you can get in, plugged in and serve. All right, let's pray together. And uh, then I'm going to have you fill out your registration cards. Father, we just want to lay our lives before you, and, and I, want to, I want to be so bold as to pray on behalf of, of this group of people. I think they're ready and willing to do whatever you want them to do. 
Because most of us have tried things our way and we know that we fail. And most of us, the reason we're here is because we want to do things differently. God, I know that when, when I use my gift, I feel closest to you. When I see someone come into the kingdom, when I see someone uh, leading someone else into the kingdom, when I see someone serving, God, it just makes me feel close to you. And I long for every person here to have that feeling on a regular basis. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.